I need a uh, volunteer, and there's a caveat to this. Uh, well, a couple caveats, I guess. You got to come on stage. So you got to be okay to be in front of people, uh, and you have to have more legible handwriting than me. And so that should be everybody. And you have to be a better speller than me, uh, which also should be uh, anybody in the room. Uh, so if I can have a brave volunteer who has legible handwriting and is a better speller than me. All right, I'll do Sue. All right. All right, so what, Sue, what I'm going to have you write down here, and this will take everyone else's uh, volunteer skills a little bit too, is I want to have some synonyms to each of these words. So we're going to test your guys' English knowledge here a little bit. Uh, so we're going to start with this first one here of boss. And so when you think of the idea of a boss, what's some other words, what's some synonyms that kind of have that same idea, same meaning of a boss? And you can just shout them out. Leader. All right. What are some other ones that some supervisor? All right. It's director. All right. I heard one, another one. Manager. Okay. Uh, what are some other ones of when you think of the idea of someone who is a boss? A mom? <laughs> sure. Absolutely. Yeah, Jimmy inspirational yeah a good boss for sure absolutely what did you say Tim? authority all right i like that that's good chief honcho i i, I was going to move on but that's that's worth writing down chief honcho okay next one uh when you think of the idea of someone who is a teacher uh what's some synonyms that uh come to your mind uh what's some other things that are professor okay that's good a lecturer, okay. Me mentor, I like mentor. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> Mom again. <laughs> Educator. Role model, that's a good one. I, I should have put speed writing as one of, one of the uh, one of the ask in here. I. Well, I, I like coach too, so put, put coach in there, I like that one. Uh, all right, two more. Uh, so best, when you think of the idea of something is the best, what's some other synonyms that have that same idea? Stupendous, that's why you're up here for spelling. <laughs> uh, what's some other that have that idea of best? Terrific, all right, that works. Cream of the crop, I like that, that's a, that's an Indiana boy right there. Number one, champion, superior. I'll let you catch up for a second, Sue. Perfect. All right, and then last one, uh, the idea of correct. Uh, what's the idea of synonyms have that same idea of you know, correct? Right? Accurate, truth, that's good. Oh, we get a better catch up, right? Accurate, truth. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. oh. What did dad? <laughs> Maybe in your house. I don't know. <laughs> there, there you go. But 
Perfect. That's good. I like that. Boss. Yeah, no, that, that works. Perfect. All right. I'm sure you guys are thinking more. Thank you, Sue. Let's give Sue a round of applause. Thank you for spelling and writing very, very well. All right. So here's what we're talking about today. Uh, we're talking about uh, this question. It's kind of our main question for today is what is Jesus? What do we believe about Jesus? And that we word is a first key word in here because what we say all the time, church is not a building. This is not the building. Church is not a Sunday morning service. It's just a service. It's a group of people, uh, but it's kind of a certain group of people. And some of you might be part of the we, and some of you might not be a part of the we. And that's okay. It's, it's, it's something you get to self-select on your own. But there's a group of people who say, okay, like, I'm in. Like, I, I am, I agree with the values of this group. I want to go where this group is going, and especially what we're going to talk about this fall, the things that this group says they believe, I believe these things too. And so uh, you might very well be, and we totally welcome people who say, like, no, I'm here just visiting. Like, I'm, I'm just checking it out. I don't know if I believe yet. I don't know if I want to be in for this whole thing, and that's okay. But for those of us that, like, are Christ Church Albany, that we, this is our church, we are it, and every single day, every single second of every minute, uh, what do we believe about Jesus? Uh, and of course, uh, the thing that we believe, and we'll go into more detail on it, is that we believe that Jesus is all of this and so much more. Uh, we believe that Jesus is the boss. He's the leader. He's the supervisor. He's the authority. Uh, he's in many ways a mom role in our lives. Uh, he's the, the teacher. He's the professor. He's the educator. He's our coach. He's our role model. He is right. He is accurate. Uh, he is perfect. He's the best. He's stupendous. He's the champion. He is all of these things. And a couple kind of thoughts as we get into this. First, it, give yourself like room to know and to realize just kind of how big slash ridiculous this is. That there was a guy on earth 2,000 years ago who actually claimed all of this for themselves. Because if this was in any other like person you would meet, you'd be like, this is crazy. Uh, if you, you know, later on, you know, have some uh, new neighbor move into your house, you know, move into your neighborhood and they're introducing themselves and they're starting using like, hey, let, let me tell you about myself a little bit. Well, I'm a manager, I'm a director. Uh, and actually I'm your director. I'm your authority. I thought you were just my neighbor. Uh, I, I'm, I'm the champion. I am superior. Uh, I am right. I am accurate. Uh, if some of you, uh, if you work somewhere and maybe you like look through resumes, if someone were to write some of these things on their resume or write all of these things on their resume, you'd be like, all right, there's no way that all of this can be true about one person. Like, obviously you're overselling yourself. Obviously other people have oversold you. There's kind of, is there any way that this could actually be true about one person? Uh, and then second thought then is what if it was true? What if you got to know somebody and the more you got to know them, you saw that like every single one of these things and more actually just seemed true. Like they, they were like filling the bill. And the real question that we want to go into today is it's, we're going to talk about we and kind of us collectively. But for you personally, 
for you in like your daily life? If I were to go, especially those of you who say that like, yeah, I would consider myself to be a Christian. I consider myself to be someone who follows Jesus. How many of these things are true for you? If I were to follow you around for the day and watch how you live, how would it just become apparent that it's like, well, yeah, obviously Jesus is their leader. Uh, obviously, they have a supervisor, and their supervisor is obviously Jesus. Uh, obviously, they believe Jesus is superior because they just act that way all the time. Obviously, they have a role model, and it's so clear that their that their role model is Jesus. How much is that just clear for you? Uh, and as you think about all that, uh, we'll go a little bit deeper into the whole thing. Uh, because why we think those and many more are attributes of Jesus isn't just because we decided that we would pull them out of a random uh, room of people given ideas. It's because those and more are what Jesus claimed about himself. And we'll go through just a few of them. I listed them on your program there, the scripture verses in like incredibly small print. So you guys can get a magnifying glass when you go home later. But here's some of the things that Jesus claimed about himself. So here's one of the things that Jesus claimed about himself is he's claimed that his way of living, what one, he claimed that who he was, was he was a way of life. Uh, he had the idea that what he was telling us to do was to be a role model, was telling us, here's a direction that you should live your life. Uh, and kind of best example I can think of as the idea of like a, a role model, someone that you really look up to, someone you want to be. Uh, when I was in early high school, uh, I have a sister who's a few years older than me, and she was dating someone. His name was Kenneth. And I thought Kenneth was just like the coolest thing ever. He was just like a few years older than me. And he just like, he talked cool and he acted cool and he dressed cool. And like, just like in every way, I just wanted to be like Kenneth. And so one of the ways uh, that I thought I would try to be like Kenneth, uh, this was in the mid-90s. Some of you might be kids of the mid-90s. Uh, he wore a lot of flannel vests. Anybody flannel vest people in the 90s? And it just looked awesome. Like, it just looked so cool. And so I decided that I want to try to be like Kenneth. So therefore, I'm going to go out and buy a flannel vest. And I wore it to school. And I pretty quickly realized that for me, just just wearing a flannel vest didn't quite do the trick. If I was going to be like Kenneth, I was going to have to like really study him because I wanted to be like him in every single way. And this is the way that Jesus paints for himself is he says that I, what I want you to do is I want you to take my yoke, which is a way of saying, I want you to take my way of life upon you. I want you to learn how to live by watching me. So one of the things that Jesus claimed is I want to be your role model. I want to be the person that you say, all right, I, I want to be like that person. And whatever I see that person do, I'm going to try to copy it to the best of my ability. Uh, next thing uh, Jesus uh, said is that he said the idea that he wants to be our authority. He wants to be in charge of us. Uh, and kind of same idea, but a little bit bigger. He also said that he is actually God, that he's not just a person, but that he over and over again claimed that he was himself God. Uh, and the picture I get of that is Jesus was fully human, is what we believe 2,000 years ago. He's this guy walking around. He just looked like everybody else. But he also is saying, 
I actually have the authority to say anything. I can tell anybody to do anything, and I can do that because I am God. And the picture I get in my head with that, and this is something that's been done in multiple movies, um, but because I'm a dad of little kids, the movie I think of uh, is the movie Aladdin. So you guys remember Aladdin, there's the, the old version, which is a good one, and then the, the new version, which is okay. Uh, but there's a, a scene in that movie Aladdin uh, where there's a princess, uh, Jasmine, and Jasmine is dressed up just like a normal, common person. And she's the princess, but she's walking around. No one knows she's the princess. She's just walking around. And she ends up getting in some trouble. And pretty quick, like, I think they're going to, like, cut her arm off. And they're going to, like, haul somebody else off to jail. And, like, it's a whole situation falling apart. And all of a sudden, she throws off, like, this cape that she has on. She reveals the crown. And everybody realizes this isn't just, like, a normal person walking around. This is the, the princess. And so they all bow. And all of a sudden, they're like, okay. Now that we know who you really are, you are now in charge of this situation. We are going to do whatever you tell us to do because you're not just a normal person among us. You are actually in charge. Uh, and that's the claim that Jesus makes. That Jesus makes that, uh, yeah, I might have looked like a normal guy 2,000 years ago, but I actually have the power, the authority to tell you whatever you want. Uh, more than that. Uh, Jesus said uh, over and over again this idea that he has the ability to give us what we need most. Uh, and here's an analogy that Jesus used for it. As he talks about that idea that I am the bread of life and what I give you, you will never be thirsty, you will never be hungry again. It's a metaphor the idea that we all need something deep down and Jesus has the ability to give us what we most ultimately need. Which I think for all time, especially over the last 50 years, it's such a, a big, big deal. Because uh, one of the questions that we encourage all of you to ask yourselves, ask each other on a normal basis, is the question, how are you doing really? Uh, what's really going on? And the reason we ask that is because a lot of times how we're doing on the inside is not overly great. Uh, a lot of us live with this like dissatisfaction, this like discontent, uh, there's a part of us that just feels like disappointed with how our lives are going. We, we feel like there's like anger about things in our life. And just a lot of us, if we're honest, most days just, we feel like that there's this life that is like possible that maybe we see other people living on Facebook or Instagram. And we, we kind of think maybe it's fake, but we just feel like that everyone else, there's this level of joy of like full life and somehow like, I'm just not as happy as I wish I was. And what also is interesting about all of us is all of us have something that we in some way believe if we had this, it would make us that level of happiness. And it's different for all of us. Uh, for some of us, uh, it, it, it's money. And so instead of Jesus, we're like, hey, if we had enough money, then we would never be thirsty or hungry. Then we, then we would really have what we really, really need. Uh, for others of us, uh, it's a professional success. If I, if I finally got that job, if I got that promotion, you know, if I could, you know, send out, you know, my Christmas letter and let everybody know, you know, here's the title I have, here's the profession I have, then that would, you know, finally satisfy us on, on the inside. Uh, for some of us, uh, it's a, sort of an enviable house. If people walked in our house and they're like, oh, it's so clean. How do you do it? You're amazing. You know, like, 
Oh, it's all put together. The feng shui is so good. You know, your yard has no dandelions. That's me. If you, somehow, if I could achieve that, then I would like finally be happy. Uh, for others of us, uh, it's something physical. It's like, man, if I had like six pack abs, you know, like if I could work out in such a way, then I would finally be happy. And of course, the problem with that is, is even just putting those up there, you just know, like, those, those won't work. I mean, I, I know folks who have all of those things who still, like, are not quite living the full, complete life. And but Jesus makes this audacious statement that if you just had me, actually, if you had nothing else, if you just had me, and you would never be hungry again, I have the ability to give you to satisfy what you absolutely, just that thing inside of you, you could finally be happy. You could be content. You could live that blessed life. And Jesus claims that the key to it is putting him center of life. Uh, Jesus claims some other uh, crazy stuff too. He talks about the idea that he is the resurrection and that uh, we will, uh, whoever uh, follows, believes in him will live even though they die. That's the idea that someday we will all die and that if you believe in Jesus, you get to go to heaven someday. And I don't know about you. I don't spend a lot of time thinking about death. Maybe I will the older I get, but there's definitely moments in my life. Uh, moments a couple years ago when I was at my grandfather's funeral and other times. And this crazy idea that Jesus offers that this life isn't the end, that we have the ability to go to heaven and that Jesus makes that possible. Uh, Jesus uh, claims this idea that he is our, I think, teacher and Lord. is that? Yeah, that he is our teacher and Lord. So again, it's the idea that he wants to be our role model, our coach, our mentor. But that again, that kind of authority idea that he wants, we're going to be the ones who we eventually say, you know what? Okay, your way is better. I'm going to follow your way. Uh, an example that pops in my head for this uh, this past week, I uh, was uh, trying to, we were doing bedtime routine in my house with two kids, six and 10. And uh, if you know of a six-year-old, if you've ever been a six-year-old, if you're a parent of a six-year-old, it's just like bedtime, at least in our house, is just like chaos. We're just trying to like get everything I can order. And I was trying to tell my son that he needed to brush his teeth and he wanted to do everything else besides brush his teeth. He wanted to keep playing. He wanted to go down and eat candy. He wanted to, you know, just keep watching tv shows he just wanted to do all this stuff that i knew wasn't the best stuff for him as a dad i knew what was going to be best for him that he didn't want to do so he needed to brush his teeth and get ready for bed and so we're just kind of going back and forth and he wants to go do all this stuff and i but dude you got to brush your teeth and finally uh well parenting win here he looked at me as a six-year-old he looked at me, he's like fine dad you win and he kind of walks across our hallway and into the bathroom uh, and he starts brushing his teeth because he decided in that moment that he was going to take my instruction. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to brush your teeth and I'm going to do what you want to do, even though it's not what I want to do. Uh, what I think would be better right now is to keep playing with toys. I think it'd be fun to never brush my teeth again. I don't even really enjoy doing that, but I am going to let you be in charge of me. I am going to let you win. And one of the things that Jesus wants to do in all of our lives is he wants to not only be like a teacher in our life, he wants to win. He wants us, you know, when we feel like, ah, here's what I want to do with my money, but here's what God wants me to do with my money. 
He wants to win. Uh, here's what I want to do with this family member that's aggravating me so much. And here's what Jesus wants to do. And uh, Jesus wants to win. He wants to be our teacher and our Lord. Uh, and uh, to add on to that, he says that the reason why he wants us to do all that is because he wants us to have a life that is to the full. The reason why Jesus wants us to do all this, uh, similar to the reason why I want my son to brush his teeth, because I know it's going to be better for him. Even though it's not what he wants to do right now, even though it doesn't seem as much fun, in the end, it's going to lead to him having a better, full life. And what Jesus says is that he wants you to live the, the blessed life. He wants you to live a happy life, a contented life. And he says it's all about following everything he says. Uh, and those are just some of the claims that Jesus says. Jesus says so, so much more. Uh, but to kind of like sum all those up, uh, there's a guy named Paul 2,000 years ago, and he wrote a letter to a church in Colossae, and I think he did a great job kind of bringing all of these together of what Jesus uh, is. He says, the son, this is Jesus. Here's who he is. He is the image of the invisible God. Who is Jesus? He is God. He is the firstborn over all of creation. So he has always been. Uh, it goes on. For in him, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Uh, Paul goes on, he is before all things, and in him all things hold together, and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. Uh, I love that. For God was pleased to have all his fullness, fullness well in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. The idea is that who is Jesus, at least Paul, who is Jesus, who do we want Jesus to be to us? Jesus is just supreme. He is above. He is just there's nothing that he is not the absolute center of. So, a couple comments. One, the idea that, like, someone would claim all of those things is a little bit ridiculous, right? That someone would actually say, like, this is who I am. Me walking around on earth 2,000 years ago in sandals, rope. This is who I am and still today resurrected, this is who I am, is a little bit ridiculous. And so it's not something which is like, oh yeah, well, of, of course that like, has to be true. It's something, that's what we talk about, alpha and all these other things. That's, those are claims that are worth truly investigating to make sure that they are absolutely true. But if perhaps it would be true. If those are things that are actually who Jesus is, then how in the world should we respond? How should we, if there is a supreme functional leader, boss, who is the, the best overall, correct about absolutely everything, how should we live in response to that? There's, I don't know, probably go to church like on Christmas and Easter, probably, yeah, probably good enough. Yeah, we probably like, if I, if I get cancer someday, I'll probably pray that, you know, that'd be a good response to that. And I should like, 
I'll like own a Bible. I'll probably never read it, but like I'll probably like. But what should be like the response of a group of people who, in some way or another, believe that those things are absolutely true? Uh, a couple of things that I think. Uh, one, uh, as a church, is if all of this is true, and this is absolutely what we believe, is we think that these things then should should set the the plate, should focus everything else that we do as a church and again what we're talking talk about this fall everything else that we believe as a church and so what we believe is that as a church we have like an overriding like belief system lens and so every other belief that we have jesus is, is supreme over all of those things uh so over the next fall we're going to talk about our other big beliefs uh, as a church uh, we're going to talk about our belief of who God is. We're going to talk about our belief about who the Bible is. We have that one. Uh, we have our there we go. Uh, of who God is, who the Holy Spirit is, who the Bible is, salvation, church, and what we believe is that every single one of those beliefs, as key as those are, all of those fit into and under our belief of who Jesus is, and that it would be impossible. For us to really have any of these as a complete belief system, unless it is under the authority of Jesus. And we're going to talk about this over the next few weeks. But just to give you a little bit of an idea, uh, when we talk about God in two weeks from now, uh, what we're going to look at, one of the things, is what uh, Jesus claimed about himself, what John said about Jesus in John 1, the idea that who Jesus is, is he is the image of God. And so if you want to know what God is like, you can't know what God is like unless you do it through the lens of Jesus. Uh, a couple weeks after that, uh, we're going to talk about uh, who the Holy Spirit is. Uh, and one of the things we're going to say about the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit speaks to us. We have the ability to hear what the Spirit is saying to us. But what Jesus says is that where the Holy Spirit gets his words that he's going to tell us is from Jesus. And so the Holy Spirit can't tell us anything unless Jesus tells it to him first. Uh, a couple weeks after that, we're going to talk about the Bible. And this is going to be such a, a, a fun week because the Bible is such a, a powerful tool. But as any of you who've like read any history know, the Bible can be a very scary tool because you can make the Bible say almost anything you want the Bible to say. Because you can read the Bible and interpret the Bible through a lot of wrong lenses. And what we're going to say, what we've determined as a church, is that there is wrong ways and there is one right way to read the Bible. And that is through the lens of Jesus. Because what Jesus claims is that all scripture is actually about me, points to me. That there's not a scripture that you read that shouldn't be read through the lens of Jesus. Uh, we're going to talk uh, about the idea of salvation. And we talk about salvation, we're going to talk about not just the idea that someday, you know, God will save us from our sins so we can go to heaven. That's part of salvation. But we're going to talk about the idea that God wants to save so much more than that. That God wants to save families and marriages. God wants to save neighborhoods. God wants to save the environment. That God wants to bring salvation to everything. And what said is that there's no way to have salvation unless jesus is at the center of it 
uh, we're going to talk uh, about the idea of uh, the church. And we talked about this uh, two weeks ago. The idea that who we are as a church is, again, completely built on the foundation of who we say Jesus is. And over and over and over again, if all of this and all of this is accurate about who Jesus is, then it is the, the push, it is the thing that is shaping us, should be shaping us most constantly as a church, uh, which I think we got a little intentional and a little lucky in, and even like how we named our church eight years ago. Uh, the idea that there's lots of church names and there's lots of cool church names out there, but there's like church names out there, like this is like whatever, whatever, whatever Bible church. And so like their focus is like, we want to follow the Bible. And that's kind of a cool thing. Uh, there's some that like, we are whatever church of the spirit. Oh. <laughs> and that's cool to put like the spirit in there. Uh, there's some churches that are called like, cool names, like, like transformation church. We want to help like transform people and all name your church, whatever you want. That's super cool. But I think we got something right in the idea of calling it Christ church. That that is this, everything we do, Jesus has to be absolutely at the center of it. Uh, and then finally, that's like organizationally, like who we want to be. But more like on a personal for you, for me, uh, for our families. If this, this, if these claims, if this is who Jesus is, and if you, you know, go through the process of Alpha and you decide, you know, yeah, I think that some or all of these things are true, then what does that mean for your life? What does that mean for how you make your decisions? What would that mean for how you set up your schedule for the rest of the fall? Uh, what, would it, what would that mean for how you set up your budget going forward? What would that mean for the decisions that you're making right now? Maybe some of you are making family decisions about who you're going to invite or who you're not going to invite for the holidays coming up, Thanksgiving, Christmas. It, it, as you're trying to figure out what your, your work trajectory, you know, what your career path is going to be. Some of you are looking at all kinds of different, very complicated personal decisions. If you were going to decide, I'm going to put Jesus in the position of, you know what, I'm not going to be the, I'm going to let him be the leader. I'm going to let him be, what would that look like? Uh, and I, I love this quote uh, by a guy named Dallas Willard. Uh, here's what Dallas Willard said. He says, as Jesus' disciple, I am his apprentice. It's that idea of, of role model. That idea that uh, I'm going to look at someone else uh, like I looked at Kenneth all those years ago and say, I, I want to be like them. And I'm going to regularly ask this question. What would I do if I if he was in my place? Uh, that's what I tried to do in high school. Like, OK, well, what, what would Kenneth wear to be cool? Uh, what would Kenneth say if he was in this situation? And a Jesus follower would say, uh, I'm going to as his disciple as his apprentice. I'm going to regularly ask. If Jesus, if, if Jesus was in my shoes and he had this amount of money, what would he do? If Jesus was in my shoes and he had this family situation going on, what would Jesus do? Uh, of course, the, the issue with making anybody, you know, becoming a disciple of anybody, becoming an apprentice of anybody, is you wonder, am I behind someone who's like worthy of being a role model? Are they worth following? Uh, are they giving me good advice or not? And so here's what uh, Dallas says about Jesus. 
It's just, it is my faith in him that led me to become his disciple, but I have confidence in him, which simply means that I believe that he is right about everything. So the reason why I'm going to make Jesus my role model is because I believe that his way is just, it's not just a way, it, it's, it's the right way. There's a right way and a wrong way to handle your money, and Jesus is the right way. There's a wrong and a right way to be a mom, to be a dad. There's a wrong and a right way to how you're going to like uh, operate in a marriage. There's a wrong and a right way of how you're supposed to treat your coworkers. There's a wrong and a right way. What we believe is that Jesus' way is just is the right way about everything. And then he ends it uh, like this. He says that, uh, that all that he is and says shows that life is at its best, what it was intended by God. God to be the idea that he's not just telling us like here's what's right and it's, it's just going to be difficult and you just got to do it because I said to do it. The idea that I want you to do it because I believe that my way is actually best. And yes, it's countercultural to the American way. And yes, it's countercultural to what many other people are doing. But I'm telling you that my way is actually best. And again and again and again, this is just like a, such a a challenging. But I believe absolutely right and best way to live. Uh, and it's what we want to be as a church. Uh, and so uh, last Sunday, uh, I got a, a call from someone in our church uh, because they found out that there was uh, someone who uh, didn't have a bed. So there's someone who was sleeping on a floor. And so someone in our church found out about that. And they're like, hey, someone is sleeping on a floor. That's not okay. And so we have two beds and we're only using one of them. And so I, I have, don't know what someone viewing life through a non-Jesus lens would do. But if you're someone who's following life through the Jesus lens and you know someone who's sleeping on a floor who needs a bed and you look at your house and you have an extra bed, it's just so simple what someone who follows Jesus would do. Uh, this past week, uh, we got a call from someone in the church. Uh, they just have a lot of stuff going on right now. And so they needed their yard mode, and they just weren't able to do that. And so I uh, sent an email out to a couple of different people. And within minutes, I got an email back. So I'm like, well, yeah, of course, I, I, I will go over and I will give up some of my time and some of my energy to go and mow their yard. And I don't know if that makes sense in like a normal, like, you know, I've just, I have to worry about me, you know, my own little world zone. But if you're doing stuff through a Jesus lens, you know someone who needs their yard mode and you have the ability to mow their yard, you just, you just do it. Uh, or uh, one for uh, uh, us personally, uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, we got a, a letter in the mail uh, from school district or something, and they have this program uh, where they're giving out like, uh, it's kind of like a, a food stamp program. That's probably not the, the right way to uh, say what it is, but it's, it's a way to help get families in the district and every family in our district got this where if they need more food to be able to feed their kids then here's basically a thousand dollars to feed your kids so like all of a sudden now ash and i have like you know a thousand extra dollars that we can use this is kind of a, an amazing thing uh but very fortunate for us it's a great program there's families that absolutely need that fortunate for us uh, we were able to feed our kids before we got that $1,000. We didn't need that $1,000 to be able to feed our kids. And I don't know, and if you're looking at it, you know, through a lens of, you know, like 
you know, what's the, the coolest thing we could use a thousand dollars for, you know, what's the, the, the thing that, you know, make our house look the best, you know, what's the thing that, you know, what help move us forward a little bit, might be all kinds of decisions that you make, but through, if Jesus is our leader, if he's our mentor, if he's our role model, and all of a sudden we have a thousand dollars that we weren't expecting, and there's a lot of kids in our city and in our world who, even with this extra thousand dollars that families are getting, still don't have enough uh, food to feed their families. As a Jesus follower, it's just so simple what, what you should do and what's the right thing to do and what's the best thing to do. And it's just, on and on, I was talking to someone this week and they're talking about that they were at work and everyone at work was saying, nah, 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 just being negative and just, you know, just, just tearing other people down, just kind of that kind of a culture. And they said before in their life, they would have just joined right into that. But through like living through a Jesus lens, they knew that they had to approach that situation just differently to not enter into the fray and just gossip and negativity. Uh, I was talking to uh, a dad this week, a dad's mom, I talked about a dad this week. And I was talking about that. They just had one of those days where it was just a tough day and stressful day and they're going home and uh, what they would have done uh, in their life is they would have like gone home and they would have like taken the stress out from that day on their wife and on their kids and just like you know just kind of sometimes it's the people that you love most that end up bearing you know the most of our stress and anger and all that stuff but through a jesus lens they just look at being able to handle that through a different way and it's just who we want to be as a group of people is to have these beliefs about who jesus is actually play out into our normal, normal life. Uh, and the, the way we do that, the way we want to live out that belief of who Jesus is, uh, is this is uh, another uh, Dallas Willard quote, uh, quote. He says, but his apprentice, mean his apprentice, is therefore not a matter of some special religious activities, but it is an orientation, I love that word, and quality of my entire existence. The idea is like, okay, so if Jesus is all this, I guess I'll just like click off these religious boxes. And I talked about this last week if you were in one of our community groups. It's not this idea of like, I'm just do this stuff because I have to. It's about putting your life in a certain kind of rhythm orientation where this is just becoming a natural part of who you are. And that's absolutely kind of our whole thrust behind what we're doing as a church this fall is we want to put you in this kind of an orientation uh, i know for me uh, a couple things that that looks like is uh we have kids that started becoming the morning person so now i wake up way too early in the morning and i've kind of determined that uh, I, I want to try to wake up first in my house and i love like the moments where it's like super quiet in my house and we had a class in our church. You can still be a part of it called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And it taught you how to do a daily office. And it's this moment where you're just like quiet before God. And so I just made an orientation of my life that I wake up early and I sit in a chair and I drink my coffee and I'm just quiet. And I look through the words that Jesus said in scripture. And I just found that that orientation in my life helps me to become a better apprentice. Uh, I started running over the last couple of years and uh, you run, you got to like do something to occupy your mind. At least I do. So you can listen to all kinds of different stuff. There's so much music and podcasts out there. And I've just decided that uh, I'm going to listen to at least a couple of times during the week, some sort of a, a sermon or some sort of a podcast that just helps me 
be able to become a better apprentice because I just have that as my natural orientation becomes part of helping me to be an apprentice. Uh, and lastly, and it sounds like a commercial for our church, but I promise I would tell you this, even if I was the pastor of the church, these things that we're doing on these twice a month uh, live services, twice a month community groups. I believe that these are just helpful rhythms that if we can get in the orientation, if there's in the schedule, if there's like, this is just part of what I do. Uh, twice a month, I, I come and I learn about these beliefs and I listen to, you know, descriptions about what these different beliefs are and how I can live them out. And I sing these songs and I meet with people and it's just, it's an orientation that helps me to become an apprentice. Uh, twice a month, I get together with this group of people and we share and we talk and we ask questions and we go through stuff. And I've just found that it's a helpful rhythm that helps me to become an apprentice. And over and over and over again, we just want to put you in these rhythms. We want you to follow in these rhythms because we believe that the more you do, the more that you just put Jesus at the middle of your life and follow him, it will result in the best possible. Uh, and now, finally, finally, I think I said finally a few times, but this is the actual finally. Uh, on top of, I mean, all of that wasn't like enough. <laughs> on top of all of that, uh, of what Jesus claims about us is this last giant, huge claim. And that is the claim that as well as being your leader and your supervisor and wanting to tell you what's right and wanting to be your role model, on top of all of that is this huge idea of love. That who Jesus is at his absolute core is he is someone who just loves you, which is so big. Because there's some of us who look through this and we're like, I was like putting a grade next to some of these. Like, all right, Jesus is my leader. All right, I would say I'm like a B minus at him being a leader, you know, him being my supervisor. Yeah, you know, I, I, you know me seeing him is just terrific. Me, you know, following his truth. We just sometimes fall so short. And so our easy thought is, well, based off of how I've been living, Jesus must just be angry at me. He must be ticked off at me. I bet, you know, there's bad things happening in my life, and that's Jesus trying to, like, get me. What Jesus claims over and over and over again is that he loves you. And again, the whole reason of why he wants us, he's not giving us rules just for the sake of giving rules. He doesn't want to be in charge of us just to be in charge. He's not some ego. He loves us. He wants us to live the best life, and he's willing to do whatever it takes to get us there. Uh, so in a second, we're going to remember that by taking communion. So on your uh, table, there's some cups. Inside the mug, there's uh, some juice and bread to remind you how much Jesus loves you. I'm going to read a verse uh, from the book of Romans that talks about how much Jesus loves us. Ken's going to play uh, some music for a minute or so here. And you can take communion uh, at any time in this next little bit. But as you take communion, think about this question that we've talked about today. of Who is Jesus to you? Is Jesus these things? Could Jesus be these things in your life? And do you have the belief, the trust, that this is who Jesus is, that he is someone who loves you?
Let me read this from the book of Romans. It says, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him, Jesus, who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Jesus Christ. Take a few moments and pray and take a few moments.